1: Hey there, welcome to Light the Fight, you guys. This is Heidi Swap, and yet again, this week, we don't have David with me. He's left me to, um, he's trusted me, is what's happening, to be here on my own. And so, you never know what happens when you you leave a rogue mom that freaks out sometimes. (laughs) Um, But, you guys, this week, um, we have a special surprise. And I'm really excited because I have invited Georgia Anderson, who is a friend of mine that we kind of, we kind of met through social media, really, and mm-hmm. um, we know each other a little bit also in person. Georgia, um, I'm just going to go ahead and read your bio, Georgia, before we get started. Um, Georgia Anderson is a presence-based leadership coach. She's a Gottman-trained relationship educator and board-certified massage therapist. She founded KnowHowMom.com in 2015 after decades of educating families. She coaches and teaches simple skills anyone can master for strong connections and personal flourishing. Georgia lives in Salt Lake with her husband, Mark, and is the proud spoiler of 13 and a half grandkids. She loves to kayak, ski, hike, and serve. Um, so welcome, Georgia. thanks, Heidi.
0: It is such Hi. an honor to be here. I love light the fight. I love your purpose. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I am thrilled to have you here and and i'm just I'm actually just thrilled to be able to chat you and I kind of keep threatening to go hiking together and and talk and I guess um since I'm a little out of commission for a few weeks, maybe this is gonna have to do for a little bit but I still would love to get on the trail get out on the trail
0: this will do for now
1: have you ever (laughs) have you ever hiked sundial um
0: only to like blanche I haven't gone up sundial maybe we should do that
1: it's totally like the next highest thing on my bucket list so maybe we maybe we should go do that (laughs) okay name the date (laughs) Um, um, okay, so I have kind of written down like a whole bunch of things that I would love to, I guess, kind of ask you about and questions that I have. Um, and I don't know if we'll even get to my questions because, because who knows, you know, I hear like the <laughs> Where fight, we'll you, go. Guys who, you guys <laughs> who listen to like the fight, you know that Dave and I kind of just get on and talk. And that's usually the, the best. Um, so I think I want to start out, Georgian, just have you kind of, I mean, we've heard your bio, but just tell us a little bit about you and kind of about what has led you to this place.
0: Okay, I will tell you about that. So I grew up one of 11 children. Oh, my, wow. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My my angel mother had 11 children in 15 years.
1: Oh my god. Can gosh. you even
0: imagine in cloth diapers in the 50s and 60s? I mean,
1: amazing. Where do you
0: fall in that line? I'm number, I'm number 8. I'm the youngest of five girls and I have three older brothers and three younger brothers. So, oh you God. know, when you do the birth order thing, it's like, where am I? <laughs> I'm kind of a baby. I was kind of an oldest when it came to my little brothers. I was a middle child. You know, I don't know even how that works. You know, we would need <laughs> David to, to help you to that out. Right, right. <laughs> but I do know I experienced a lot of the, the qualities of all of those, of those typical, you know, family order birth order things. So that's, right, that's, that's interesting. A, that was an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in this you know, big Utah family, <clears throat> and I kind of just followed the path that I thought I was expected to follow, and I got married at about 21 and had my first baby at 23 and then had another baby at 24 and had a little surprise right after I had my second baby. I found out I had cancer. Uh, my OB mm-hmm. found some malignant tumors in my neck, and I got to experience the Hmm, I don't know if I would call it trauma. I, it, I got to experience the experience of of having a surprise possible ending to my life. Wow! And that was one of you know that was a really big awakening for me. Um, about that same time, I lived in California at the time, and I had a church leader who invited me to be trained through our social services agency to teach parenting classes, because he thought every parent in our whole church, in that whole area, should take this class that was really, quote, designed for troubled families. And when he read the curriculum, he just said, this isn't for troubled families. This is for every family. Every family needs this. They learn need to learn communication skills and conflict resolution and problem solving. Anyway, I was the lucky person. I, I still count this as an inspiration on his part that really blessed my life because all my life I'd been interested in relationships, even though I was a theater major and I was a dancer and I did all that stuff. Really, my core love was relationships and how people ticked, how, how, what made them tick. Right. So it was this incredible gift that I got this training and I got to volunteer for years teaching parents and partners about communication skills through this training I got. I did it as a volunteer. And then um, when I was about 40, I I won't say surprisingly, although it was really shocking that he actually went through with it. But my husband decided he just wasn't able to stay in our family relationship. And um, my friend used to say he took a powder. He took a powder. (laughs) Um, He needed to he needed to get out for him. And so I was divorced at about age 40. I had four children, ages, how old was he? Nine to 16, my four Mm. children were. And I ended up with sole custody and no job. And I'd worked as part-time. So I was was totally blown away by this change of events in my life. It was so unexpected. It was so not what I thought would happen in my life. Um, I ended up. Parenting those kids alone for three years. And then I met my current husband, Mark, on a lineup. And we got married (laughs) (laughs) a while later, and we are almost to our 16th anniversary. And we have seven married kids and you told about the grandkids. So um, that was a long story. But that's, those are the highlights
1: of my journey, I guess. Okay. I love that. And I mean, there's a lot of wisdom from that church leader that that said, "Hey, here's some parenting classes or here's some family classes or something because the reality is <laughs> I guess that's what this podcast is that's what that's what we're doing now is trying to figure out how to do it better. You, you know, like yeah. there's there's no no education is is wasted or um, I mean, so my next question for you, and I I know probably part of the answer. Um, oh shit, my my phone went to sleep. So tell us what a presence-based leadership coach does. Okay. what does that mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm currently getting more education around one-on-one coaching and even into the corporate world, but Really, my love is relationships and families. I believe that every parent is a leader in their home. They're the executive of their home. It's not just that you should be born and know how everything should work in a family. I I really believe that, and I think we're getting better at it, like you said, we're getting better at learning what, what science is telling us, what works and what doesn't. Um, not that it's perfect, but we, we have a lot of information now. We have a lot of research about right. what works and what doesn't, right? So that was my first step was getting more education about that and loved my education and training with the Gottman Institute and active parenting. That was so great along with what I'd had earlier. But now I'm moving into more something that really combines everything I've ever done. So I've always loved the body. I love how the body works. I was a massage therapist for 17 years and a dancer and a choreographer before that. So I'm fascinated by the body and the body-mind connection. Mm-hmm. So presence-based coaching is really tuning in to mindfulness and the body and what's happening in your body to recognize emotions, to recognize condition tendencies you have or habits in ways you relate to people. And your body is a really good messenger about that. So presence-based coaching is the partnering with someone to help them recognize what their body's telling them basically. Okay. So, I mean, i here's a simple example. Like when you're in a, when you're in a tough communication situation, you know, we talk about fight, flight, and freeze. Um, and we add two more to that, appease and disassociate. But your body, before your mind even does anything, your body does it. You think about when you're in a stressful conversation with a child or a friend or a spouse, what happens to you when you feel attacked? Yeah, you start sweating. (laughs) Yeah, you'll, you'll probably go into one of those reactions, right? Your heart starts to race. You want to run out of the room, or maybe you want to attack the other person, or maybe you want to just roll over and play dead and just be vulnerable or maybe you want to please them so they don't hurt you. So all these things show up in your body. Hmm. Your body gives a clue about what they are. Like you're saying, your palms get sweaty and your heart races. Those are presence-based clues. So we learn to key into those clues and learn from them. Okay. And, you know, to listen more to our own body, our intuition, our our, our learning that's been with us all of our lives. So that's a long answer for what a presence. Well, I love that.
1: I love that. Um, and for our listeners, you know, just listening to you in that short amount of time, they'll know why I wanted you to come and be on like the fight. Um, David always talks about, um, this family business model, you, you know, in the parents, being the executives and training the kids to take over the family business um, and so that's something you know that that we talk about here a lot at light the fight um, the other thing that we talk about a lot and um, and that I would love to hear more about um, from you is this very strong connection between our physical bodies and our emotions and um I think that that's probably something that I didn't know about and, and I still have a lot to, to learn about that. But I think that sometimes we either we give one too much attention and disregard the other or don't realize that damage that's being caused, you know, our physical damage of not sleeping, not eating properly is going to be creating emotional and um mental type damage as as right. well. So yeah, that's I'm right with you there. That's really interesting it. Sounds like you kind of just found your perfect niche. Um I did. I did. <laughs> I'm 59.
0: It's about time, right?
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's never <laughs> too late. And that's what's so great about the world that we live in is that there's no shortage of information, of learning, of sharing. Um, and I just to our listeners who are listening, um, I will say this and I'll mention it again, at the end Georgia has a Instagram page that's called, um, know how mom tips, actually let me fill it you just in changed. as of.
0: As of five minutes before I talk to you, we changed it. I've changed my website and my Instagram to Georgia Anderson coaching.
1: Okay. I think that's easier. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So go and follow and, and you, and I'll remind you at the end, but I actually, so I don't follow very many accounts, like actually follow where I'm actually paying attention um but yours is one of the few accounts that I actually seek out every day and read um wow. whether Thank it shows you. up in my feed or not I always know that there's that I learn something every time i think that you have a gift as a teacher and it really comes through in how you share and you know social media gets such a bad rap um i mean and i think now and always I don't think that that bad reputation of social media is ever going to go away um but I personally love um the opportunities that I have to learn from people on social media and so um I just want you to know and our listeners to know that I have learned so much just from following you and I haven't even hiked with you yet so (laughs) (laughs)
0: well thanks Heidi and I hear that I feel the same push me pull you in social media because I've spent way too much time on it at times and I've also felt discouraged sometimes by it and at the same time I look back over the five or six years I've been running this account and I think about the people I've met I've met you I've met so many other really fantastic people but a lot of that had to come through me being very conscious about what I did there as well. And it's yeah. easy to slip back into scrolling and it's really easy to do that and into comparisons and all of that. So I know it's a constant balancing the surfboard as yeah. I go down that social media path. It's part of my business. So I, I can't just quit, you know, but right, um, right. yeah, but, but it's really <laughs> forces me to be the boss of my own ship you know? Right.
1: Well, so. you know, when I, when I reached out to you um, and you said, you know, is there any topic that you're really, that you want to talk about? And, you know, really in my mind, I was like, well, there's probably a hundred topics that, <laughs> that <laughs> I can think of that I would love to talk to you about. Um, and, you know, I wrote down a lot of different um, thoughts but I think that where I would like to start first, um, and kind of see where it takes me is that I know that relationships are super important to you. And, um, when we started this podcast, I kind of thought it was going to be like an anti-suicide podcast. I thought it was going to be really talking about suicide. Um, and as I've gotten to know David, um, I've learned that suicide prevention is in our relationships and so my um interest has turned to relationships as well um there's some there's a quote that you actually shared on your Instagram a little while ago and it said change in your relationship requires a change in you first and that's the hardest part um and you were talking about um I mean, there's lots of different things, but why don't you talk about kind of when, um, when somebody comes to you and is really struggling with their relationships, where do you start?
0: Yeah, that boy, that's so big. And I'm speaking to myself here too, Heidi, because, you know, the pandemic has brought us smashed us all together more intensely with our own intimate relationships um, and really (laughs) made us face them. So I'm not just preaching here. I am talking about myself when I talk about this, that if I want to change, you know, if I notice that Mark and I are getting really grinchy with each other and, or I'm just feeling like, ah, get out of my face, you know, or if I'm, if I'm feeling those kinds of things, it's really easy to think it's him and to think, you know, same thing happens when I have a, an initial interview with a parent or a partner that's coming for coaching. Um, when I ask them about the situation, almost, I'd say 80% of the time, it shifts immediately to the other person. Well, they, this, they, that, they, this, they, that, Right. Um, because that's, that's typical, we're typically going to guard ourselves, we're typically going to protect ourselves. It's, you know, it's a survival mechanism.
1: Sure.
0: But un you know, unequivocally, like there is not one client I have, there's not one coaching session I do, if I'm a good enough coach, that doesn't come back to what's important to you around this. What is it that you want to see change i don't I'm not talking about how you want them to see change. What do you want to see change? You know who do you have control over here? I have control over you and it I think it finally dawns on them, and that's when the wall comes down, and there's usually a tearful realization and I'm speaking for myself as well as any client I ever had a tearful realization that i've my walls have gotten in the way and that I'm not seeing the whole picture and that I only can, I only can change me. So then I go about seeking what my commitment is in this situation. And I, I seek out a commitment I want to make for myself or with my client, with them or about them, because that's where the power is. The power is there. That's, that's where your power is in your life to make changes, is in you. And it's, that is a superpower. Yeah, um, yeah, I think yeah. so often we have an agenda for the people around us. And every day, <laughs> I, I, when I think about my list, my to-do list, I have to add to my agenda for the day to drop the agenda that I have mm. for anyone else. My agenda for today around any relationship I have is to drop my agenda.
1: Which and, is hard when which yeah. is hard when you want a certain behavior from somebody. You know, mm-hmm. you want your teenager to, you know, do their responsibilities. You want mm-hmm. people to help out with what needs to happen around your house and, and you're having a hard time getting people to do what you want them to do.
0: Right. Right. And by that, I'm not saying to be just a free for all in your house and let anyone do what they want. That's totally right. not what I'm saying. Right. I, I believe in high expectations and a good amount of organization in your home. So kids know what to expect, but what it really comes down to often is that we're expecting our, we're expecting others around us to be something else. Okay, we can have expectations around doing and responsibility, and we can have contracts with that, we can have consequences, all of that's perfectly, perfectly wonderful and helpful for kids. We can have boundaries around behavior, all of that's really wise and helpful. But there's something about who a person is, we get that mixed up with with the things that need to be done.
1: That's Um, excellent. I know I did. Wow, that's okay, so... Just repeat that one more time. Just, just clarify okay. what you just I'll said. I'll see one if more I time. can.
0: <laughs> okay. So there's a there's a difference between an expectation of what needs to be done and boundaries and you know, to-do lists to keep the family functioning versus expectations around who a person is. And we okay. mix those up
1: sometimes. Yeah, we do. Because sometimes we confuse who people are with what we want them to be doing. <laughs> yeah. I know
0: I did that. I mean, I had a son that really tested me from the time he was little. You know, I remember he his first grade teacher called me and said, "Um, And I won't tell you his name, except for anyone who knows me knows who he is. And he's the love (laughs) of our lives. (laughs) Your son mooned the PE class. Your son mooned (laughs) the PE class. This is in first grade. So that was the beginning. And, you know, he just liked to push the limits all the time and find his own way. That was just who he is. It is who he is today, right? Mm -hmm. It is who he is. And I got to a point in our relationship where I started to, it became judgmental on my part. Mm. I started to think because he's not doing my agenda, he's not being my agenda for him. The boy I thought I was raising and that I have this vision of and dream of this perfect family, it got in my way. And I, I found that I was, I was judging who he was instead of, what he was doing. You know, we needed to deal with the behavior, the mooning, the PE class, whatever. Right. Right. We needed to deal deal with that, but it's very slippery slope sometimes when we, when we tie that to character.
1: Yeah, I can, I, I totally know what you're talking about. And so if you're in a situation and maybe there's not an easy enough answer to just kind of share here, but. Like what if you're in a place where as a parent of a teenager and you've kind of gotten wrapped up in that confusion and Mm -hmm. it's affected your relationship to where there's not space to just have that super easy, I love you and nothing else matters relationship. Like how, how do you start reversing that? Is that like the $20 million question? <laughs> well, you know,
0: I'm sure there are a million ways, but for me, I'll tell you what I did. And I, you know, I, I had some really good advice from a friend, but it, 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 it should have come right from me because it was all about the body. It was start with the body. So words were failing me. My words were just really getting in the way. And my agenda was, and I was so in my head about him. I was sick with worry. I was angry because I couldn't communicate with him that everything came out as a criticism. You know, yeah. he was defensive. Um, it, it just wasn't going well. And I knew this was a critical point. And um, it just happened to be like right before my husband also left. So there was, there was a lot going on. Thanks, yeah. And someone said, just use your body. Go down to his room every night. Don't say a word. Put your hand on his back. I mean, I'm a freaking massage therapist. I know how to do this. Right.
1: Right. This would have been great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you don't have to be a massage therapist to do this, but connect with him through touch. Don't talk. So I made a commitment to myself to change that part of our relationship in my behavior. And every night, not probably, I'm sure I didn't do it every night, but often I went to his room and sat on his bed and just rubbed his back. And I asked permission the first time I did it. Hey, can I just rub your back for a minute? And he loves massages. So he was like, cool with that. (laughs) And, um, Heidi, that was huge. It was huge for us. Yeah. There were no words spoken but I was able to show him through body language that I was there for him and that I loved him. And sometimes that's just a look. You know, how often are we squarely looking our kids in the face without any agenda just to see?
1: Never, because it's always like, you like you get in here and do this. That's the look we
0: have in our eyes. <laughs> It's so true. And all the great Zen masters, they talk about the ultimate Zen master has accomplished the beginner's mind, right? They're a beginner always. They look at the world as a child with fresh Mm. awareness, no agenda. And that's the way I had to learn to see him was Mm. through a beginner's eyes. So whether it's You know, that totally depends on your personalities. And it's okay to experiment and get it wrong. But what if you changed it up? What if you did something different? What if you looked at him or her through a total beginner's eyes, as seeing them as someone else on the outside sees them? You know, I can look at my niece with half purple and half blue hair, and I just love it. I think it's so great. (laughs) Right. But for her parents, it's probably like this. Oh my gosh, she's gonna, you know, she's going crazy. And I'm like, I love her hair. It's so inventive and creative and cute. Would I dare do that? I can look at her with beginner's eyes because I don't have an agenda. Right. Because
1: right. you're so, not worried about her living in your basement for your her. Home. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Right. No, I'm right. Just teasing. No, for sure. I mean, it's absolutely true.
0: But if we can. Allow ourselves to open that perspective. That helped so much with my son. That's interesting. I love that. And I continue, I mean, he continues to push the boundaries, but he's a very successful adult. He's not living life the way I thought he was going to, but he's really taught me so much about loving him for who he is. He's taught me more about unconditional love than ever I ever could have known
1: because you kind of were able to learn how to let go of what you wanted and let him be who he wanted to be that's so you know and I'm just going to kind of throw this we get a lot of um messages and questions and comments that people send in and lately I don't know if it's just the pandemic I think it's part of our social structure right now um, most of the, a lot of the comments that we get are parents who are just really concerned because their kids are just hanging out in their rooms alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're, they're on their phones, they're on TikTok, they're um, mm-hmm. face, you know, oftentimes they're yeah. FaceTiming with their friends. And so they're, they're interacting socially with with their social structure, yeah. but there's not a lot of kids sitting in the family room all watching the same show or eating together or hanging out in common areas of our households. And I think that pandemic kind of did some of that where we were all kind of retreating to our corners so that we could work on our Zoom calls or be on our phone yeah. calls or, you know, and, um, so I, I wonder what, what maybe a suggestion that you would have, um, coming from that, you, you know, kind of, kind of that connection realm the, that, that you work in, um, you know, what is an advice that you would have to a parent who is seeing, and, and it's everywhere down from like a 10 year old up to, you know, a young adult who, is really disconnecting with family life. And yeah. um, it, it feels, you've, you just kind of feel like you've lost them. Right. Um, a couple of ideas
0: come to mind. Okay. One is, remember you're the executive in your home and you are able to set the boundaries somewhat around that. It can come through a family meeting. You can talk about what's healthy. You can do some education about, you know, there's so much good material now about, I mean, you know, watch the social dilemma together, watch, you know, find something that it's not you preaching, but something that can bring in some discussion and ask the kids questions about how their body feels after they've realized they've been on Facebook or on TikTok for three hours. Mm -hmm. How does your body feel? How do you feel? you know, so a family meeting around that. so we engage the kids in a conversation around it and some of that takes some skill, right? Mm-hmm. So learning to brainstorm without making a judgment. and I heard you know can't really feel defensive in that,
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: so again, it's that total curiosity. no answer is a wrong answer during that meeting. so, First of all, engage everyone in a conversation about it. What are your ideas? What do you notice when you're on your phone all day? How does your body feel? How does your brain feel? And and they might just say it's fine because they don't know any different, right? Um, and then you can <laughs> share <too>. how.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but you can also share how you feel, and if you have any kind of a connection with your kids, they're going to care how you feel, and they're going to listen to what your body feels when you're on TikTok all day or on Zoom calls all day. It's, it's mentally exhausting and physically exhausting. So that's one thing is think about yourself as the executive in your home and think about leaders who have led you effectively through your life and how did they do it? And then go about doing that with your family. So start with what your experience was. How did people influence you to change? And then you know, that's all. I, I mean, there's so much to say about that, but I'm not going to say it. Right. But that's a really good exercise is to think about people who influenced you to change okay. and didn't scare you. They may have scared you through fear. I mean, they may have, you may have changed through fear. Don't go for those people, go for the people who you still feel affection and connection to and who influenced you for good and change. Then think about their tactics and try them on. Another one is though that is so important for kids is to get outside. Now I don't know everyone lives in a different situation. I'm lucky enough to live in Utah where I have canyons 10 minutes away, right? As an executive in my home and now I'm the only executive is of my husband and me, right? But I have <laughs> grandkids. <laughs> I am absolutely committed To being outside every day for an extended period of time. There's rarely a day that I do not go outside, no matter the weather, no matter my circumstances. It's a commitment I've made to myself to do that because I know how much it affects my health, mental health, as well as physical. So as an executive in your home, as the leader in your home, what can you do to create opportunities outside active, if you can't get outside active opportunities as a family, whether it's, and it should be play oriented, it should be fun oriented, right? How can you incorporate that into this pandemic? Because it's so important more than ever before for our survival and for our thriving. We need to reinvent play, Yeah, maybe because we can't always do it with our friends. Maybe we can, maybe we can find a way, but, you know, outdoors is a healthy place to be in a pandemic for the most part, that's healthy. So as the leader in our home, as the leader of our own lives, find a, find a way to commit to that for yourself. It, it, it brings me more change and more power in my life than almost anything else I do. That too I, broad of an I, answer. No,
1: I agree with that, and I think that those are both really good, really good suggestions. Um. Okay, so I want to. There's something that you bring up, and I think it's something that you talk about often, Um, and I think it's really good and really important. And and I know you're going. Okay, what is it? Um, you talked about something called the forty percent rule,
0: oh yeah,
1: and I love um, the
0: forty percent
1: rule <laughs> so I just wondered if you would be willing, like I think that this is well, as you talk about it, probably our listeners will know why I love it so much. Okay. but yeah. if you could just tell our listeners about the forty percent rule, okay.
0: The 40% rule comes from John Gottman who if if no one knows he is the noted Einstein of love. He spent 40 years scientifically studying relationships, couples first but also parents and children. And not just getting a hunch about things but actually scientifically coding facial expressions, words, p you know a hormones in your pee blood tests heart rate every single thing he could code about interpersonal relationships he did um he initially started with studying he loved like infancy and human development so he was studying attachment from parents to parents to children but then he realized how much impact a couple had on their children so he started studying marriages but anyway 40 years Thousands, tens of thousands of couples and people that he followed, and gazillions of pieces of research. So, this is no joke, you guys. This is hard science. Okay. <laughs> so, John Gottman talks about the 40% rule, and he says, you only need to get it right about 40% of the time in order to be successful in your relationships. And everyone hears that and they're like, what? <laughs> like are you kidding you know here I'm seeing the Instagram couples and the Instagram parents and everything looks so rosy and I know my neighbor and they never seem to raise their voice or whatever right and we have this standard for ourselves of perfection in our relationships and the way we relate to each other that is can be so discouraging because we are blowing it all the time and what John Gottman says is it's really important that you blow it because one of the most essential ingredients that he found in studying relationships is that you need to become good at repair. So I look at this from all angles of my life. Like there's, there's Carol Dweck's research on the growth mindset. If you've been, not heard her Ted talk, make sure you go listen, everybody. Um, Carol Dweck. That's D-W-E-C-K. You can read her book or you can hear that in 15 minutes and get the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) So she's a Stanford researcher that talks about growth mindset and how, how important it is for kids to learn that mistakes are what makes their brain grow versus telling a kid that they're the best and they're the smartest and putting them in the smartest class. And they become very unable to make mistakes and their growth actually gets stunted where kids that learn that mistakes are how your brain grows. So academically, this proves out as a universal truth. In relationships, it proves out as a universal truth. Couples, parents, and partners that are able to make mistakes and repair, just like a scab on your body, Your skin is stronger after it scabs over, right? When you break down a muscle and you work out every day and you're sore and the lactic acid gets in there, you're building a muscle. You're breaking down the cell and then you're building it back up. It's a, I mean, as I look at the world around me, it's a universal principle. You need to make a lot of mistakes and then you need to repair them. So it doesn't mean we want to just blow it 60% of the time and let it go. That's not (laughs) what he's saying. (laughs) He's saying you need to blow it 60% of the time, and then you need to learn how to repair. And repair isn't all that hard. Repair looks like cracking a joke, not sarcasm, but I'm saying making it funny. Okay, that's why those jokes about fighting. Have a sense naked. of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Have a <laughs> sense of humor. Have a sense of humor. Um, apologize and learn how to apologize well without, yeah, but you know, learn how to apologize. Like, really, I am sorry. I really blew that. And with my kids, it sounds something like, you know, I did not say that the way I wanted to say it. Could I pull out the magic eraser and try that again? And I still have to do that with my grown kids. Right? I I get to do that. And they're very kind and forgiving when I ask that way. Or just saying, you know, I'm sorry, I my intention was not to hurt your feelings. Or could I have another chance? Um, You know, whatever it is, but a sincere apology and trying it again. So it's not that we just make a mistake and leave it. It's that we get an opportunity to strengthen the scab, to strengthen the skin, to strengthen the muscle, to um, make stronger what was weak. To me, that's why trouble's here to teach us. Trouble is here to strengthen us. And that 40% rule is sometimes very often parents say the most valuable thing they learn in a class from me because it takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure off the kid and the parent.
1: I think that we always like every day there's conflict and, and you talk a lot about this conflict resolution um, in in your coaching. And I think that you can kind of get to the feeling you're like conflict and then there's a conflict and then there's another conflict and then you're building on another conflict. and And it just starts to feel like, um, you're, you're stuck and now you've kind of lost some trust and, and then there's isolation. And of course, kids and ourselves as parents, we have places to retreat to that okay. <laughs> um, kids have places to retreat to that are right here, you know? And so to me, when I think about this 40% rule and that essential nature of repair it just reminds me that it's it's okay it's okay to have a conflict and it's okay to get frustrated it's okay Mm -hmm. to lose your temper and it's okay for your child to lose their temper with you and totally um I think that we sometimes you feel like you're doing a good job if nobody's napped
0: Yeah. And that's so, it's so easy to think that way because we look outside of us and think that that's the perfect, the ideal. And yet that's not real. That's not human. It's not, we're born with the ability to feel. And it's really scary when we start to build walls around that ability to feel because we don't want to be angry we don't want to uh, lose our cool we don't want to have a quote bad relationship
1: because we don't want to be afraid yeah want a
0: relationship that can be malleable that can grow that can change and in order to do that we've got to make mistakes we've got to have scar tissue we've got to build break down the muscle to build it up And, you know, it's not anger. And John Gottman will say this over and over again. It's not anger that gets in the way of relationships. It's the inability to feel it and deal with it Mm -hmm. to, you know, we might mask other emotions with anger sometimes, but it's the ability to actually feel it, to say it out loud is a huge skill to say what we're feeling out loud. And then to move toward where we want to be and the reparation that needs to be made for either party. Um, It's also really good to remember, I think, that it's normal for the teenage years to be filled with angst. That's what they're supposed to do.
1: Right. And thank you for saying that. And that is something that David talks about, like that's the whole point of being a teenager is getting into trouble and finding trouble and then tripping on trouble. And then picking up trouble, you know,
0: and, and and exploring who they are, you know, teenage kids, like your second toddlerhood. And then you do it again when you're in your twenties, you, you explore who, who you are, the individual you are like, when you're two, you first realize, Oh, I can say no to them. I can run away at the park. I can, I am separate. Right. And I can explore who I am, and then teenagehood is a whole new experience. In that, I can have different color hair than they do. I don't have to act like my parents. I don't have to believe what they believe. I don't have to keep their rules. I'm going to explore who I am. It's really important that there's space for them to do that in a safe, safe environment. Right, as safe as we can keep them. But um, that's normal. It's really normal for them to be exploring and risking at that age. And I might add to that, and maybe you guys talk about this a lot, but that's a great age to create some healthy risk environment for your kids. You know, take a rock climbing class, do things that are a little bit on the edge, you know, pushing their physical limits, Um, go backpacking for 10 days, you know, play survival (laughs) with your family. I don't know, whatever it is, but have some fun with taking risks show them that you encourage it and that you want them to find out who they are. And that you're a beginner, you know, you're, a, you're an observer of their journey in some ways you're going to have limits. You're going to have a boundary around their safety, but they are free to explore and fail within limits that you can help them, you know, that you can help create as a leader and executive in your
1: home. I love that. That's a, that's a great suggestion. Um. Okay, so this is probably a leading question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask it anyway. So what if you are, to, you know, what if you have this friend, that's what David likes to say, You have this friend <laughs> that's, you know, coming up on 50 years old and has some teenagers and has some young adults and is kind of battling with still trying to figure out who you are as a person and you realize that maybe in your journey of 50 years, um, you haven't totally learned how to feel and you haven't totally learned how um, to control how you're feeling, you know, um, we know that it's important to go first, but, but how do you teach this if you, struggle with it yourself
0: Mm, I love that I'm still learning and I hope my kids my adult kids know that I will always be learning and if I've ever arrived I mean living is over (laughs) part of living part of living is lifelong learning and part of that's being okay with that 40% rule, I think, that yeah. I can say to my kids, yeah, I may have taught parenting classes now for 30 years. I may have, you know, I may be teaching marriage courses and all this stuff. Well, Mark and I still have plenty of fights. We still go through way major ups and downs, like, oh, who are you anyway? You know, we still, we go through all of that. And it, lucky is the child who has a parent who doesn't know it all lucky is the child who has a parent who fails and struggles and who is exploring that part of themselves still I think, and who acknowledges that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, obviously there's this stigma in our society about um, therapy, I think it's going away. I think that more and more people are willing to, um, get a therapist and talk to somebody and recognize the value there. Um, but I think that what's really cool about you do what you do is this idea of coaching, being that you're going to take somebody where they are and Give them skills to practice and to try so that they're going to get stronger. And um, so it's, I, I think that there's just so much value as an adult. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, I just, and this is weird, but I remember being like a high school student and struggling in my classes, and my friend's mom had gone back to college and she was getting. One hundreds on our tests, and I was like, "How is this even possible? How do you even get one hundreds on your college exams?" You know, and it was because she wanted to learn, and she was paying for herself, and so her intention was there. And I think that as adults, it's so important to take advantage of an opportunity to keep learning. Mm. Um, and you know, for me, this podcast has been such, a well, and I say it all the time that the podcast is probably more for me than it, than Mm -hmm. it has been for anybody else, but I'm just thankful for the conversations. Um, and I have, I mean, I always read your post and I think, Oh, I want to go to Bryce Canyon with Georgia. I want to go and do the trails, but (laughs) so would you just, um, would you just explain how your coaching works and what coaching looks like? And if somebody feels like as a mom that you recognize from, from this podcast or from other situations that, you know, that you have to go first and that you Mm -hmm. have to learn something before you can model it and that you have maybe some work to do. Can you explain what coaching did? Yes. You know what you I mean? Fro- oh, now you're back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You froze up. Yeah, yeah, we froze for a minute. Okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. You did such a beautiful job of explaining it, Heidi, actually, because sometimes coaching is a gateway to therapy for people. Sometimes it's something they do after therapy when they just want an accountability buddy or to just brush up on things. Right. But th- it doesn't replace therapy. I want to start out by saying that. Right. Coaching and therapy are not the same thing. Um, therapy is there for a, and very needed to deal with really difficult trauma and situations, you know, clinical depression coaching. We don't deal with that. We always refer to a therapist. Coaching is there for people who are in a place right now, They're, they're able to self-manage a little bit. Like you're saying, they may not know, like they may have never dealt with their emotions before, but they, they're not in a really bad state, right? They, they don't really need to delve back into their past. Although sometimes we talk to our old self a little bit, but we don't, we don't do therapy. We take where a person is right now and we design a commitment of where they want to go. And then we. Use various techniques to get them, help them, partner with them, and be their walk side by side with them to where they want to go. So that's how it's different than therapy. Um, When I when I start working with a client, we start with the body and we start with learning how to center our own body and get in the middle. Literally, like we literally do some exercises that get us in the middle of our body so that we're centered in our body because a lot of my learning and teaching is around and coaching is around the body and what your body's telling you. You'd be amazed how much information is right there in your body. So that's one reason I love to hike on coach on the trail because we're, we have nature available to us and which is one of our greatest teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we design a commitment together we work toward that commitment. We use a lot of um, embodiment practices. Like I have a lot of modern dance and theater backgrounds. So we ha- actually have some really fun physical exercises about how we might be pushing people away. And we use our body to experiment with that um, mm-hmm. about we want what we want our future to look like and how we want it to feel in our body. So I use a lot of what's called somatics, it's body work in my coaching, but not all coaches do that. Um, My goal with my clients is to get my head, our heads and our hearts connected and not to be thinking all the time, but to actually integrate our feelings with our thinking and let them work together. Um,
1: Did I answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Um, I know that you, and this is just for listeners. I think, always our listeners are coming to us looking for resources and wanting to know places to get more education, to get help, to explore things. And so that's kind of why I'm pumping you for a little bit of like how you do it and Mm -hmm. um, maybe the types of things that that you offer. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, I also offer, if people want to know if, they are a good fit with me and kind of want to experience a little bit of what I do. I do a free 15 minute session with anybody and they can go to GeorgiaAnderson.com, georgiaandersoncoaching.com and okay. just sign up for a free 15 minutes and just experience it a little bit and see if it's helpful.
1: And it seems like you also, I mean, I know that you also have some online courses that mm-hmm. kind of, and and I've experienced this in other ways, but like when you take an online course and then Tack a little bit of coaching on with that. It's kind of like you can take a foundation of knowledge and then create some tailoring and action items yes. personally. And yes. Which I think is really smart.
0: Right. Before COVID, I recorded one of my live classes, the, my know how coach class, which is all the Gottman actually, it's the best of active parenting and Gottman together, which are just dynamite classes. And really, the nuggets of all that research and how it applies to our parenting. And I recorded that class, but what I did was I put that online and I broke it into three sections and I offer that class online. And in between you get a private coaching session with me for, cool. so you learn it and you coach, you learn it you coach, you learn it you coach. So I that one's that. really cool. Yeah. And then I just have a couple that are self-compassion, which I think right now, Oh, Holy cow. We need that. It's, and I heard you talk about it. You read a different book than I did, but your book was based on the research of Kristen Neff, who is the guru of self-compassion. And um, I just broke it down into a little class with some handouts and journaling that people do. And that's in there, too. And then I love that.
1: Self-compassion is at the very bottom of my list and I was going to have to leave it off. So I'm glad that you brought that up.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And if we have a second, we can do a little goodbye exercise around that, but um, that would be then great. I have one about, about conflict too. So helping you work through a conflict with another person, just step-by-step, step. here's how to, here's the questions to ask and literally give you a blueprint for a conversation, a conflict conversation with, you know, a gr- a little bit older child, not a little child, but, you know, a teen or older or a spouse. So those are what's available.
1: Okay. Well, I think that, I think you're right. I think that the pandemic situation has created some new circumstances that require us to bring a different self and we're never going to go back. Um, You know, hopefully there will be some resolution with the virus and hopefully we won't, you know, I don't don't know. I have hope that we're not going to have to live six, six feet apart forever but um it's i mean it's changing retail it's changing the way yeah. we um grocery shop it's changing the way mm-hmm. that we interact and i mean maybe there's companies that will never have their employees go back to work because they find that they don't need to you, you know like so life right. is, life is going to change and so yeah. um now is a really good time to level up in 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 any in all areas so I appreciate that I also think it 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 makes us look
0: at everyone around us including ourselves as a suspect (laughs) (laughs) like we don't know who is going to pass that germ no you're right that virus along or if we're going to be responsible to pass it to someone else it's It's a time where we're really hard on each other and ourselves. And so I think that, that compassion is so important. Do you want to do a little goodbye exercise?
1: Yeah, I would love to. Self-compassion is kind of like my, like that's, that's at the top of my, every one of my sheets, because that's a place that I really struggle. So I would love to, I would love to.
0: Well, I'm going to give you the Georgia body version of this exercise. So everyone, I want you to do it with us. Okay. So I want you to just rock your body back and forth. Like you're in a rocking chair from back to front. Okay. Okay. And then I want you to find where the, the rocking chair balances. If you stop pushing it, where does it land? Most likely that's going to be right in your center. And then if you want rock side to side a little bit on your hips and see like you're on a sideways rocker, and then come to center. You might have to, like, rock back and forth a teeny bit. So really find where the true center is. And notice where you feel that uncertainty in your body.
1: Wherever you notice it, wherever you find it resides the most, see if you can bring it into your heart area, your heart center. And give it full attention there. And then bring one of your
0: palms up and rest it on your heart. Just giving that some support. giving that uncertainty or self-criticism, whatever it is you're struggling with, giving it some support, letting it know that it's not alone and that if you raised a drone up over your city and your state and your country and your world and you could light up other people who are dealing with similar feelings, you could see all the lights
1: of the people who are feeling similar feelings and experiencing that with you. And then the
0: third part of this exercise feels a little dorky. but see if you can put a smile on your face. And if you can't put one on your face, imagine sending
1: a smile to that place under your hand.
0: And just notice what changes. Notice if anything's different. I'm just going to leave that little exercise with you and hope you will pick it up when you need it.
1: Well, thank you. George, you are such a you're such an example to me, you're such a light. Um, we could have talked for another five hours, um, but I really appreciate the things that that you said and that you shared and I just I just want to thank you for what you put out there. It's fantastic.
0: Oh, thanks, Heidi. I feel the same way about you, and i I so appreciate. You for taking this on, and for making it visible, and for being such an example of openness and open-heartedness. Thank you. Well,
1: yeah, thank you. Um, I just want to repeat your website one one last time. So, say it again, since it's fresh, it's brand new.
0: <laughs> Instagram and my website are Georgia Anderson Coaching. The website is com. Georgia Anderson coaching S O N. Yeah.
1: Okay. Anderson. Um, you are fantastic. And you and I are going to get on the trails and then we'll share about it on Instagram.
0: <laughs> awesome. We will. I appreciate we have it. Have Thank you. So much
1: more to talk about. Thank you so much, Heidi. All right. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks to all of you Bye. listening. Um, you guys, thank you for showing up. Thank you for wanting to improve your relationships. Thank you for being willing to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself what you can do. Um, And above all, thank you for helping us to light the fight.